BBC podcast, where you get to know the people, places, and possibilities behind the global EMDC community. We're glad you are watching or listening. I'm your host, Tim Cowley of Expat Media Pro and Global Creatives Collective. My co-host is the founder of EMDC, Steve Ballman. EMDC is a global community of Jesus followers who have been generally meeting together at a conference venue each year. In 2020, we rolled out an online platform for ongoing training and connecting, and with that, a big growth in serving and connecting more people into our network. Through this podcast, we aim to create community and provide encouragement by talking with communication experts who use their particular expertise to more effectively share the gospel in mainly non-Christian regions. Episodes 13 and 14, recorded on June 10, 2021, feature Ian McQuay and Jonathan Call. Ian and Jonathan will be helping us understand more about phone apps designed to get the Holy Scriptures into majority and minority languages. Ian works with SIL and supports global workers as they interact with Scripture App Builder, Reading App Builder, and Dictionary App Builder. Jonathan will be representing Biblica, formerly known as the International Bible Society, as they discuss Bible translation and global accessibility. And today we are going to be discussing scripture apps. And uh, if you don't know what those are, you will soon know more than maybe you wanted to know about apps. And of course, when we talk about apps, there's a whole variety of things that we can get into. And today we're going to focus specifically on some of the apps that are out there that will help you get scriptures into uh, not only your phone, but those that you're working with, the, the people that are maybe speaking a minority language. So that's what we want to focus on today. There's all kinds of apps that we could have discussed, um, but today we have um, Ian McQuay. Did I say that right, Ian? Yes, that's right. Yep. All right. Ian McQuay is with us and Jonathan Call. And uh, Ian is in Australia and Jonathan is in uh, Colorado. So uh, Steve is in Arizona and I am in Portland, Oregon. So we're kind of... Uh, little mix here. Now, Ian, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And um, I know you're on vacation right now. Maybe how's vacation going? And and why do you feel the need for a vacation? Have you you've been busy working on some projects these days? Uh, yes. Well, I <laughs> I feel the need of a vacation because uh, what a lot of what I do is answering questions from people who are building apps around the world. Um, and sometimes it's just good to get a break away. Um, so I work with SIL and um, I'm actually assigned in Asia, but I've been given permission to help out in the global work of app building. And uh, we have um, some tools that are available and uh, I help doing support for those because if the developers do all the support, then they don't get any development done. So. Uh, do you have like a, a bunch of apps that you help with or are there specific, you know, one or two apps? Well, let me clarify that we don't actually have apps. I'm supporting software that builds apps. So we have four different pieces of software. Uh, the first one is Scripture App Builder, where you take your um, text, your Bible text in uh, USFM format and load it in and build your app from that. We also have Reading App Builder, and that's mainly used by people who are building like storybook apps or other apps that aren't scripture-based. Um, we also have Dictionary App Builder, so if you have your dictionary in a, a lift file format or in a 
XHTML format exported from um, Fieldworks, then you can build a dictionary app. And then we also have Keyboard App Builder, where you take a keyboard made in Keyman, and then you can build that app, and then it'll install on an Android phone for you. Um, so most people, the majority of people are using Scripture App Builder, but there is also usage for all of those other apps as well, App Builders. So it's App Builders rather than apps. Yeah. And Jonathan, um, since we have not met before, and I don't think even Steve has met you before, um, because you have not yet been able to come to an EMDC, although you will certainly come to the next one, I'm sure. Tell us about yourself, where you're based, and what you do, and sure. who you're working for. Yeah. Uh, I live here in Monument, Colorado. Uh, that's where it's close to the to the headquarters office of Biblica. And, and Biblica used to be the International Bible Society, if that name rings a bell. And uh, so we've been Biblica for a number of years now. Um, and I live here in Colorado with my wife, Alyssa. She's a, she's a elementary school teacher. And then we have two daughters, Riley and Reagan, 12 and nine. So we're in the thick of raising our family and uh, some are just started and kicked off for them. So if you hear some screaming or running around, you might pick up a little bit of that because the house is, uh, everybody's home. Everybody's home now. But uh, I've worked for Biblica in actually two stints. I started with Biblica out of school and did, if you know what fundraising is or advancement and plan giving, I got a finance degree and that's what led me into fundraising. I happened to um, play golf of all things with someone who was at Biblica and they said, have you ever heard of this? And I said, no. Um, but my family, my 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 dad's parents were both ministers. My dad was an ordained minister, even though he didn't practice. So we've always, I've always grown up with this this sense of mission and and wanting wanting to have my work further further the gospel. And so I say two stints here at Biblica. Uh, a few years ago, I left, worked in Fortune 200 for a while. Um, was enjoying that, and then they came and sucked me back in into the ministry side, which was good. I, I got an experience there in the, in the corporate world, but it didn't tick my missional box, to be honest. And so coming back to Biblica, being able to serve, I serve in the translation and publishing in our digital innovation side. So that's the team team that I get to serve on. And, and so it's I'm just excited. I get to see translations come to life get done. And we look at that as the starting line at Biblica. Um, we really look at three things, gateway translation. So we typically focus on high level gateway languages. So larger people groups and, and speakers. And then we do what we call frontline church and rising generation. You can call it mobilization, those types of things where we're actually taking those translations and then deploying them, mobilizing them into the hands of people around the world. And so it's, it's exciting to one, see great translations come out, but it's really exciting to see the programmatic side, leveraging God's word in, in a heart language for people, um, and then being able to have them engage with the word. I want to eventually have Ian kind of tell the, you know, the practical uses and history with a scripture app builder. It's, it's huge. You know, scripture app builder is a, is a huge, uh, very helpful tool. We have had a session about it, a couple of sessions on emdc.online. And we have one, by the way, coming up from uh, Biblica on their app in September, on, on the 22nd of September, I think. So you will hear more about what Jonathan's talking about if you attend that session. And you can also see the recordings on the session on Scripture App Builder. But 
Um, I think that a lot of people in the minority language world, uh, minority language mission world, have been learning about Scripture and Builder. And uh, just like Ian, what, what you know, maybe t- could tell us who uses it and you know where and mm. when and what's the practical uses of that. Yes, well, I mean, most people have, have well, many people have heard of uh, Uversion and and their app, and it has you know lots of lots of different versions from all around the world on it. Um, but the downside is that you know you have to be in one of the major languages to be able to use it, um, and it you know to find your language is is fair, is a little bit complicated. Whereas Scripture App Builder starts at the other end where you tailor your app from the very beginning to be in one language or maybe a couple of different languages. Um, so you, all of the interface can be translated into that local language so that everything that the person sees is, is something that they can understand. They don't need to go digging to find that hidden feature that they want. It's all there from the beginning. Um, you know, in, initially, Scripture App Builder was only for for one translation, but now it can hand, handle multiple translations and we've uh, just been able to expand it up. There's one guy who's got permission from Biblica and permission from other people to uh, put an app together and it's got something like 34 different uh, versions in it. Just Old Testament, though. Um, so, and so, Ian, why would you say he got permission from Biblica? What does Biblica have that he needs? And by the way, Jonathan, I wanted you to, when you mentioned it was called the International Bible Society, th- what what are you the most famous for that, that people will be able to put their minds on? Yeah, name-wise, we, we go by Biblica. If you go on our website, you'll see our logo, Biblica, and next to it, the International Bible Society, still making some of that connection. But we're going to, any any work that we're doing, Biblica is the name that we're that we're using. Right, but I mean, what what do people know? Aren't you associated with the translation that? Yeah, a lot of people we do have a translation know? English that a lot of people know. If you've heard of the New International Version, um, that right, is Biblica's uh, version and International Bible Society back in the late '60s and '70s. Uh, that was the the one that they sponsored. We had board members in that mortgaging homes, things like that, to get that translation done. So yeah. that's also one of the things that I get to steward and work with our committee on Bible translation to make sure that uh, we keep that text fresh and uh, and and good for, for the English market. Yeah, so before we started the call, you had said that you were working with people on Scripture at Builder, and Ian just now said he was getting permission from Biblico. So maybe it'd be good if you guys introduced us to the whole intricacies of uh, how apps uh, give each other permission and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, e- each translation is usually owned owned by somebody and it depends on what. If they can then um, give rights away to say, you can use this as long as you do this and this and this. Um, um, so there's, there's various levels that that happens at. Uh, Biblica own, owns their content and, you know, they they need to to get um, they need to give permission to how it's used. So as long as you use it in permission, um, so sometimes it would be paid. Other times it might be free because it's in line with what what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, so that, that's right, yeah. Ian. And 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 it gets what one of the things that we've been focused on here in the last year 
is releasing a lot of our languages and and this this could be a, a whole nother podcast but in what we call creative commons licensing format so it's basically think of open source software things like that where you can go and get the scripture so right now we have i think of our texts we've been putting them on we have about a dozen texts available on open.bible where you can go and and get those freely in a in a creative commons format share and share alike and uh, and Ian's right. There's th what we do is often if people come to us and say, "Hey, I have this app. I have this ministry. I would like to do a Bible for. I want to use your Away language there in in, in Ghana." Okay, uh, we look at it. How are you using it? Are you selling it? Or is it just a ministry thing? And we take all those things into context and say, "Okay, here's a license. Typically, if it's ministry usage." very low. We try not to make a lot of money as, as I, even with creative commons is we're releasing those things. Actually, we're putting them out there and saying, okay, we're, we're willing not to take any licensing fees for those in lieu of it being freely available so that ministries and others can go ahead and leverage the text in an easier way without having to go through a formal licensing process. So we're all professionals here, but let's say, for example, that I'm just a guy that just got on the field and yeah. I want to take something and I want to start using it and maybe use it in some videos and things. And hey, there's a there's some scripture that I found that somebody translated. Why can't I just take that and use it? Isn't God the author? <laughs> God, God inspires our translators to do that work. But for that investment, we it becomes intellectual property is what it does. And so it is copyrighted by respective organizations for the work that they do. And yes, you, you think it's free, but the reality is, is we steward that text. The reason you want to copyright Tim too, is so that it represents the work and the consistency in the text that you're getting. Um, so you know what you're getting. If you get a, if you take a biblical text, for instance, and you know, Typically, we're going to translate at a certain quality. We're going to typically be in a contemporary style language for us. That's our philosophy. Uh, so you know what you're getting. If it was just out there, I, you would have people tweaking it. You would have people changing it. And we take a lot of care in the translation process to make sure we have the right people that are seeking the Lord in, in, in wisdom to translate correctly, often going to the Greek and Hebrew text and going into that that foreign language whether it be a gateway or minority language so there's a there's a it's an arduous process and there's a lot of care done and so that's why that intellectual property is also protected so that that care that ip when you get it at the end of the day you know you know it's in good shape so it's like uh, protecting the provenance yeah you know, you're protecting the provenance. Like, for instance, uh, World English Bible, it's it's public domain, but the but the words World English Bible is not. You know, you, you if you you can do anything you like with the World English Bible because it's public domain. You can um, you can put it on an app. You can you can put it on a website. You can you can print it in a book. You can do anything you like with it. But if you change change the text as it's supplied then you cannot call it the World English Bible because that has got rights to that name and it only applies if that text is the original text. Um, so that's, you know, that's then guaranteeing the provenance of, of that text. And that's the most open one, one of the most open ones that are, that's out there. So most of the others are not, not as open as that. Um, 
but you you need to know that it's that it's this hasn't been changed by somebody and and is pretending to be something else. EMDC. Guys, let's take a second for a break from our sponsor, Faith Comes by Hearing, and those guys are going to tell us about their app. The newly revamped Bible is app. Download today for free so you can have God's pure audible word at your fingertips. Easily create and share listening plans, take notes, and encounter truth. What will you find inside? Listen to God's word in high quality, dramatized audio. Download your favorite version for offline listening and study. We freely provide more than 1300 languages. In addition, many of the Bible recordings we provide are found only on Bible Is. Watch excellent word-for-word gospel films about the life and ministry of Jesus in more than 500 languages. These full-length feature films use the actual gospel texts as their scripts, word-for-word. Find and create scripture playlists. Share them with your friends, family, and neighbors, even publicly on social media, so you can study God's word together. Bible is the perfect scripture engagement tool to grow your walk with Christ and share with your community. If you haven't already, download the free Bible is app today to experience it for yourself and share with others. Hear God speak your language. The newly revamped Bible is app designed with everyone in mind. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. We're talking to Jonathan and Ian about apps and the various ways that we can get scripture into the hands and hearts and minds of those that we love and serve overseas or perhaps in our own uh, local context. We're talking about the copyright, um, you know, uh, legal aspects. There's also another aspect of technical. I'm sure there'd be some people pleased out there if we just started all the HTML type talk and all that, you know, stuff and got down in the weeds on that. And they'd say, yeah, say more of that. And then there's the people out there that are saying, what, what are they talking about? What, what is it used for? What do we, what can, what can we on the field, what would be, why are we interested in this topic? And I, I think maybe if we would go in that direction, it it would be um, maybe some practical to, well, let, let me just give an example. When we do the session on EMBC online, it actually shows the features of what Scripture App Builder can do, and you know you can read it, and it's highlighted as and yellow as you go along. So that's helping literacy and those kind of things. So I would eventually on this call like to hear what people, what these two guys, gentlemen, think that their their apps will be used for or are most used for, and maybe compare it to what else is out there. I mean, imagine you are a, a worker a church planter or a literacy or a translation person, and you're on the field in some far foreign field, and someone says to you, you can have an app in your language. You know, how amazing is that? I mean, that's just amazing because we're, people are used to seeing apps, but not down into really minority languages. And that's where the, and that's where the real thrill comes, you know, the excitement that you care enough about my language to put that and get an app I just touch on my phone and I, you know, so that's, uh, that would be fun to talk about that aspect of it. Yeah. Being not part of SIL, I was blown away when I came to an EMDC and saw the reading app builder and the scripture app builder. I didn't know there was a dictionary related one, but of course there is. And <laughs> Ian, I would, I would love to hear more about 
about these specific uh, apps and, and even to recognize that you don't have to have all this coding knowledge to create your own app in a minority language. How does that work? Yes, well, well, the, the app builders were set up so that ordinary people who don't know any coding, who can't can't ever build a, an Android app, can actually build an Android app. And so that they do that by installing software on their computer. And what they're doing is actually installing a developer environment, although we don't call it that because that's a bit scary. Um, but you know, they're, <laughs> they're putting on mul multiple tools on their on their computer that work together. And so that all they've got to do is they, they go along, they have their paratext files, and then they bring in their paratext files into Scripture App Builder. They uh, work through and do a translation, or maybe, you know, depending on where they are, there might be a, an existing tran translation of all of the interface um, wording or phrases that are already there. So they can maybe use a national language and that's sufficient for the for the people group that they're working in. They'll feel comfortable in that. Sometimes it's not. It's not. They have to actually go down and do it for their particular language. Um, and that's, you know, that's more work. You can you can build a, a scripture app in roughly three to four minutes, but you won't be able to have it with translations into all of the for all the interfaces in that time. That'll take a lot more time. And then you also want to add images like a, a splash screen or have you, just your icon that you have on your phone. It should be something that the people are going to identify with. And so that takes research just into, well, what colors do they like? What images do they like? What represents that people group that they're going to go, yes, that's mine. Um, so there's, there's lots, lots of complexity that that you can add that'll take you way past the three to four minutes to build the app. Um, but, you know, some people are just using the, the app not for, you know, they're just doing translation. So they finish a book, they'll, they'll take that book and put it into an app and they'll get it out there and they'll get feedback on that app. And, you know, it's only in the one language, so there's not very much there, but they'll get feedback on, on the, um, on how that's coming through and so then they can make changes and then they can put out another app that'll replace that one one of the features that we build into the app we can we can say this app can only work until this date or this app can only work for so many days and then it won't work anymore so we can sort of um, if it's an initial initial translation you can you can put it out there but know that the app is going to going to not work after a certain time and they'll have to come back and get another, another version Yes. Yeah, um, but there's disadvantages yeah. with that too, because you know it's nice to have the Bible on your phone. Um, I was I was talking to one of the translators who works on an island in the northern Philippines. They don't have any mobile coverage there. You know, there's no cell towers. There's nothing there. They're way away from the mainland. There's no signal, and but the guys who who are there, they have mobile phones because the, they take their phones and when they go to the go to the mainland then they can text all the the diaspora who've moved away from the island their relatives and that and and communicate but at one time he he was there and uh, and I set him up so that he had the app on his phone and you can share share from phone to phone that's part built into the built into the app that you can actually share it from phone to phone rather than have to go through the Google Play store anyway and these guys, these guys came in, and he loaded up their 
loaded up their phones with the app. And then he was at church, church the next day with these same guys. And the, the leader said, oh, now pull out your Bibles and we're going to read from this verse. And he saw these two guys, they pulled out their phones and were pulling, up, pulling it up on their phones rather than in a book. And he go, oh, you know, when these, these guys travel light and when they're going to travel, they're going to travel with their phones. But, you know, the Bible may not actually be there because it's a bit too big. So, you know, he just realized that the potential of, of, of this getting into places that it wouldn't have got to before. Yeah. I also wanted to go back to, you know, using like the biblical texts. So you have the local language and sometime, you know, in, in some places, there's a lot of uh, fluctuation between a monolingual, you know, you have some people who are just monolingual speakers, but then there's others who are, who can speak in a trade language as well. And then there's all, you know, all in between. And so sometimes you'll make an app and it'll have the local language, but it'll also have you know, one of the local trade languages. And so you, you, you have two different languages there. So depending on who the user is, they'll go to one or the other, or they'll compare the two. And, you know, comparing the two, that's like a Bible study just in itself, just, just in doing that. So there's, there's all sorts of advantages to, to doing that. But, you know, you're, um, Scripture App Builder is really aimed at the, the, those speakers who are speaking the minority languages, so what the ones that aren't aren't well covered by Biblica. So we're, we're not in competition, we're in, in partnership um, to, to provide a, a range of, of languages. Yeah. And Ian, you had mentioned paratext before. Now, I've seen it because I have in-laws that are with SIL. Um, some people don't know what paratext is. So can you explain what that is uh, for, for those that don't know? Um, Paratext is, is software that that is designed to um, help translators get the translation done. Uh, it's got lots of checking in it, so that you know if you if you for instance say, okay, I've got chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Well, Paratext knows that chapter one should have this many verses, chapter two should have this many verses. So if you don't have those verses in there, it's going to say to you, hey, you're missing a verse. Um, and there's lots, lots and lots of checking. Some, some of like um, inverted com inverted commas um, quotation marks around around things. It 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 can check all that sort of thing, and it's just it's just amazing what the number of things that it finds. That uh, if you go back to translations twenty years ago and you run it through Paratext now, you will always find something. No matter how good the person was, if they were really really good checker, you will still find something that they've done that they missed with paratext um, it's just a great tool it's it's freely available um, there's a registration process as well if you have if you register then you get the full full kit and caboodle if you don't register there's some features that are, that are limited so it, it's um, the bible societies and SIL work collaboratively together on on um, developing that and getting out new versions great thank you Ian just to give a, a let me get, let me give a broad strokes a kind of background answer on what Ian just said that if you take these 7000 plus languages in the world and the x thousands of them that haven't been translated not just the bible but haven't even been transcribed haven't even been a, they don't even have an orthography for these languages some of them okay paratext has become the gold standard in how to get that done 
like other people are doing, right? So they can talk to each other through Paratech. Oh, you mean this, you mean that. You can send messages. All It's changing all the time. And the fact that um, he, Ian mentioned Paratech's um, of course, Scripture App Builder is going to have to dovetail with Paratex because that's how they're going to get from point A to point B uh, without having to reload everything and whatever. You just get those to talk to each other. We've had more and more sessions on EMDC online on Paratex and all the new features of 8.1 and all. And I, you know, if you're not in that world, you think, what are they talking about? But if you're in the world, in that world, it's very it's significant to know gotcha. what that. Yeah, how that fits. And you mentioned orthography. What is orthography? How you write the letters. You know, how, how what? How would you write down f? <laughs> you know, so you know, how do you write that? Right? You know, so there are symbols in the International Phonetic Alphabet for those kinds of sounds or whatever. But not every language has the same sound, and so you have to figure out a way to actually put on paper that sound that that person just made. Well, there are, you know, and, and if some guy's doing it in the mountains over here and someone in the mountains, they don't agree on it. So then you have to do orthography workshops and agree to uh, agree on the standard orthography of that language. And don't forget, you have to also then try to match what the orthography might be in the national language so is that going to be an arabic script or is it going to be cyrillic is it going to be a script that looks like cambodian languages or you know have you seen what those you know so here you've got some person outside working on learning that language and he says now i have to figure out how to put it down on paper with those you know symbols letters or should I just put it in Latin script and bypass this, but then the government doesn't want that? And, you know, they're, so Paratex will help with a lot of that. And um, amazingly, Scripture App Builder has been able to integrate more and more different types of scripts because not, you know, not all languages are written with a Latin script, even a Cyrillic or Arabic script, some, you know. So they've had to work on those uh, concepts. How will we put it? What, in what form will we put that? A lot of that's been done by the translation team or by the, the linguistic uh, linguists, you know, but, but um, they still have to deal with it. Does their software support that? So is that an issue for you guys, Jonathan and, and Ian? You know, you're you're trying you're oh, well, constantly having to deal with the minority language. You know, but I mean, from time to time, I get because I'm in support, I get I get questions from people, and they, they've got they've got their scripture translation. It's in Word, and I go, oh no, oh no. Um, and I mean, thankfully, Scripture App Builder does can actually import Word documents, but you have to have almost the same. Um, we call it markup in USFM, the 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 underlying form of um, paratext. If you if you put the right styling on your Word document, then you can then Scripture App Builder will will import that. But you're much if you're doing Scripture, use use paratext, use USFM, don't use Word. It's not a good way to go. There's lots of things that you will never see in your in your checking with your Word document that you will see in Paratext. Um, yes, but uh, yeah, I have I have done conversions in scripts that were in, done in Word and it's it's quite a bit of work and then there's a lot of checking that you have to do afterwards because it's, yes, it's messy. In our next episode, we will continue our discussion about scripture engagement apps 
and start looking at how training is handled through EMDC platforms, as well as hear about the Reach for Life app produced by Biblica. Thanks for tuning in to the EMDC podcast. Feel free to share it in public forums with those you think will find interest in our topics. If you have any comments, do reach out by emailing podcast at emdc.live. Head over to emdc.info to learn about our upcoming online trainings, read our blog, find resources, or learn about our physical conferences. Original theme music is created by our very own Schwartz Gray Band.